Hello, good morning, Andre here. Welcome to yet another episode of the day. I hope your day is getting off to a good start, that you have uh, woken up on the right side of the bed, you are feeling energetic, you had a good night's sleep, you're ready to tackle a brand new day today. And so let's get the podcast going. You know, I recall a real funny story of a friend of mine who was on a ministry trip with uh, a team of students from my school and they were going to a particular town a few hours away from where we were at and they needed to uh, get there by plane. Part of uh, our second year program in the school ministry was that we had the opportunity to travel with pastors from the church to minister in different churches. And so the teams were ranged in size from a team of five to even a team of 20. And sometimes we would drive out, but more often than not, we would uh, fly out to a different town, to a different city. And so the story goes, my friend uh, had already boarded the flight and he was sitting in the seat uh, next to uh, this pastor who was a very passionate lady. And so they're sitting down, they were just talking about how this trip was going to be awesome. They're so expectant for God to move. And they already boarded by then, they were in their seats, but many people were still streaming into the plane waiting to board their seats. And the pastor got more and more passionate and all of a sudden, you know, almost at the top of her voice, she yelled out in a plane, the fire of God is going to come, we're going to blow it up. And as she said that, it was almost as though the entire plane went silent. And of course, everyone stared at her completely mortified with what they just heard on a plane and she was oblivious to the fact that what she said could be misconstrued for something entirely different and i was glad to hear that they didn't get into any kind of trouble people just kind of shrugged it off after the initial shock and went about to their seats they got to where they needed to go safely and god did move in that ministry meeting the point i'm making with that story is that as christians we do have unique statements, unique words, phrases that we use, that we have perhaps grown accustomed to using. Much like any kind of subculture has its own kind of unique culture and language, so does the Christian faith, the Christian community. We use certain phrases, language, terminology that would be well received in the Christian context, but will otherwise be completely foreign would be misconstrued or lost to people outside of the Christian community. You think of phrases like, seek the face of God. Now, this is language that we are all comfortable with, but for those who aren't of the Christian faith, who don't read the Bible, seeking the face of God just sounds like completely foreign, abstract kind of language, right? But also think of phrases that are perhaps not too abstract, are really a big part of Christian vernacular of our culture. And a phrase that, that comes to mind is the phrase, I'll pray for you. Now, this is a super familiar phrase, right? I'll pray for you. You've perhaps been on the receiving end of the I'll pray for you. Or perhaps you have been the one dishing out the good old I'll pray for you. Regardless so, all of us can admit that the I'll pray for you is a big part of Christian culture. And there is a strong reason for that. I'll pray for you is often a need 
and tidy way of tying up a conversation where someone has perhaps just shared a need, a struggle, a place of pain that they are currently trying to work through and process. It could be a way of encouraging them. And now whether you actually pray for them or not, you know, it's, you know, who's to know. Uh, for many, the I'll pray for you is kind of like an escape hatch uh, when you don't know how to respond uh, well to a person's sharing of their needs, of their pain, of their struggle. And you want to get out of that conversation as quickly as you can. And then you just say, I'll pray for you. And then all of a sudden, you're relieved from that moment. You've done your due diligence. You've encouraged a person, sort of. And you can very quickly move on. Now, for those of us who have said and used a statement, I'll pray for you, just do a mental search, even now, of the times, of the moments you've said that to someone else. Ask yourself the honest question, how many times have you said that statement? And have you actually gone home and actually gone to God and prayed sincerely for that person, for that need? For me, I will admit to say, Nine times out of ten, when I say to a person, I'll pray for you, I would go home and I would forget about it. I could mean it with all my heart at that moment, even as I'm hearing about the stuff they're going through, but I will very quickly forget about it as I move on. And now we often utilize that statement to close off conversations or to try to land a painful, vulnerable conversation on a kind of a hopeful or encouraging note because whether we are aware of it or not, being confronted with pain, whether our own or someone else's, is an incredibly uncomfortable reality and many of us don't do well when we are confronted with pain, our own pain, much less the pain of someone else. And because of that, we often defer to Christian platitudes in order to detach and disengage from the pain to which we've just heard about. But as I read the Gospels, I can't help but notice the disparity between my typical response to pain and Jesus' response to pain when he encounters the pain, the suffering, the needs of another. He doesn't hand wave them away with the statement, yeah, I'll pray for them. But he responses in a way that's entirely different. The Bible tells us this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, that when Jesus had saw the crowds and that noticing that they were harassed and that they were helpless, like sheep without shepherd, they were under the Roman law, they were searching for God in rituals and practices, trying to keep to a version of the law that had developed over time, that were filled more with the preferences of a select group of men than the heart of God. And when Jesus had saw this crowd of people, it says this in the text that he was moved with compassion. A few chapters down in Matthew chapter 20, when Jesus encounters a blind man, it says that Jesus had compassion on them. And then he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. In another gospel in Luke chapter 19, it says that when Jesus drew near the city, he was moved with such deep and great compassion that he wept over it. He was emotionally moved. 
And it says to me, when we are confronted with the needs, with the pain, with the suffering of others, when we choose to remain and to not disengage or escape down the escape hatch of throwing out some kind of Christian platitude, when we choose to remain confronted by someone else's pain, it actually does something to us. It forms in us this thing called compassion. Now, the Greek word used for compassion in New Testament is splagnazomai. I don't think I'm pronouncing it right, but you get the general idea. And it is this verb which means to be moved from the bowels, which is a Jewish idiom meaning having deep compassion. And since they, the Jewish people, believed that the bowels were like the seat of emotions for the human soul, being moved with compassion meant to be moved in your bowels. Now, don't we feel something in our stomach when we are moved greatly with passionate feelings of grief, of sorry, of heartache, of pain, of sympathy? That discomfort is actually compassion forming deep within you. But the problem is many of us, when we are faced with these feelings of discomfort, we almost instinctively disengage. We either say the I'll pray for you, or we start thinking of ways to solve the issue, or distract ourselves and the person from the pain to change the topic, perhaps by making a joke. But Jesus, in all these biblical accounts that we just visited, shows us a different way. He drew near to the pain, and at times he would weep with those who were going through pain, the Bible in Isaiah describes Jesus as a man who is acquainted with our deepest grief. All of our pains, our struggles, our Messiah knows them intimately because he doesn't disengage from pain. He draws near to those who mourn, to those who suffer, for he is moved with compassion. And in this time where we are almost confronted with pain on a daily basis, with much of what is dominating the newsreel. We see the pain of the migrant workers in the wider community. We see the pain of ones who are battling the sickness. We see the pain of some going through economic financial turmoil. We see a kind of upheaval in the lives of others, even as much of what they've built their life upon has been disrupted. It is very easy for us to become calloused to need, to pain, to suffering. When it's become so commonplace, it's easy for us to just turn a blind eye as we read through the news cycle. Real people, real pain become a kind of statistic, a number. And when suffering has become so commonplace, we normalize it. And when we normalize something, it then removes an impetus for response. So even as we see so much pain and need around us, it really isn't a time for us to grow to be calloused as a people, but rather it is an invitation for us to grow to be a people of compassion. I'm reminded even in the book of Exodus, where God reveals his name to Moses, he describes himself as Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God. God saw that it was fitting for his children to know him as a compassionate God. God is infinite in his list of 
attributes and characteristics. There are no words to fully describe and sum up who God is. And God, when he chose to describe himself out of all the list of attributes, he chose a short list and compassion made it onto that list, which says to us that compassion, this characteristic, matters a lot to God. It matters to him for his children to know that he is compassionate. And I'll go further to say it matters to him that we grow to be a people of compassion. And it looks like us becoming a people who aren't callous or apathetic in the face of need, but like Jesus, would be moved deeply within our soul in the face of need to the point of at times being emotional, But 100% of the time, whenever Jesus was moved with compassion, it always led to action. So in this time, even as you read of the news reports, even as you chat with some of your friends, your family members who are going through a hard time, even as you hear of people navigating through a whole bunch of anxiety and fear that comes with much of the uncertainty that's in the air, Don't disengage, don't hand wave it away, don't normalize it such that it excuses apathy, but instead sit in the midst of that pain, that discomfort, and allow for compassion to be formed deep within your soul. And then it is to allow that compassion to compel you into action. It could be doing something practical to helping person in need or be moved into a posture of deep intercession. Do not just think about praying for a group in need, but to actually devote time, energy into praying sincerely for them. And as a church, we have a great platform for you to do so. On Wednesdays, we have three prayer slots on our Zoom prayer room for you to intercede and pray into much of the need, suffering and pain we're seeing all around us. Utilize these opportunities to grow in compassion. And so for today, we're going to start off our day perhaps on an entirely different note. Typically at this point, we will spend some time in the quiet, being still and allowing God's presence to meet us right where we're at. But today we're going to do something entirely different. We're going to join with God's heart for his people, for the wider community, for people who are in need, who are in pain, and spend some time actually praying for them, praying for their needs to be met. And so I want to invite you in this moment, if you have a group of people or a particular person you know who's going through a really tough time, I want you to even picture their faces, the person's face before you, even as we enter into a moment of intercession together. If you don't have a person or a people group in mind, I encourage you to pick up the newspaper or grab your phone real quick, go on the Straits Times, go through the list of news articles. I'm certain you can find a person in need or a people group to pray for as you do so. So I invite you in this moment to perhaps sit up if you are in a uber-duber comfortable position, uh, to sit up and to ready yourself to pray, to intercede. And I want you in this moment uh, to even name the person, the people group, 
to which you're praying for with their faces, the person's face in your mind, and pray and ask God for his provision, for his mercy, for his kindness and grace to be upon that individual. Even as we intercede in this moment, let us be aware that we are not more compassionate than our God is. We do not beg him to move. We are in this time joining with his heart, his desire for them. And with our prayers, we are saying yes to what is upon God's heart. So let's spend some time praying into the needs of the many as we begin our day. Amazing. Thanks so much for doing that. Let me pray for you even as you begin your day. Father, in this moment, we recognize that you are in control. Even though there is much that we don't understand and we see many needs and a whole lot of suffering in the communities around the world, God, our heart remains steadfast. Our heart remains inclined to you. And we know, God, that you are at work. So today we ask that as a people, we would not disengage with all the pain that we're seeing around us, but instead be formed into a people of compassion. And from a place of compassion, go God, may we be compelled into action, be it serving practically or sowing our resources. God, we pray that you'll speak to us, give us the grace to do so, give us the grace to live in accordance to your will. We thank you for this time. We thank you and we affirm that you are in control. We trust in you, O God. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of The Daily. I hope that you were blessed by this time. We have one last episode for you coming up tomorrow. I trust that you're going to have a great, great day today. Be blessed. Grace and peace. Hey. Thanks so much for tuning in to the daily podcast. We will have fresh new episodes out for you every weekday. If you like what you're hearing and want to check us out, uh, you can look us up on our website, www.thecity.sg, or check us out on our various social media platforms. We'll see you at the next episode. Peace.